This is Oh Man Rolling Dice. So, I have a list. Go for it. I have a list. But can we first of all just quickly define a campaign? Because there's something you guys might be on my hit list. There's something new players do. They think every time they sit down at a table, that's a D&D campaign. Like I was talking to someone the other day that has not been playing D&D long. And they're like, yeah, it was great campaign Saturday night. I'm like, no, that was great session. You mean session, right? If you played a campaign Saturday night, you guys go hard. <laughs> it was a freaking marathon. Holy hell. <laughs> so it's not, like a one shot is not a campaign. No. True. No. A and, session. Like, yeah. Yeah. Know. And and usually a campaign is a couple connect at least a couple connected sessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're talking about like why campaigns end. And as I said, some people sometimes people know exactly why their campaigns ended and sometimes they don't. So here's my mm-hmm. list. I have six. If I start to have diarrhea of the mouth, you tell me. I'll clamp That's this off. That's number seven. <laughs> number seven. <laughs> diarrhea of the mouth, campaign ends. Uh, so social incompatibility. There's a whole bunch of stuff under that heading. Attendance issues. Uh, my favorite, dungeon master failure. The never-ending story. The TPK. And the new edition. When I thought about all the campaigns that I've run over time, those are where, those are where things went off the track. Like it's it's generally not just one person's fault. The, the campaign starts to break down, and and it's usually more than one of these. Like for instance, attendance issues can be a sign of dungeon master failure. Attendance issues can be a sign of social incompatibility. Like you're like, I don't want to go mm-hmm. hang out with that person, <laughs> so I'm not going to play D and D night. And then you know you're not there enough. I think it's easy to start a campaign. If you say I'm starting a new ca- campaign, you can find players that want in on that. Mm-hmm. ending of a campaign is strange like it's not always i've had some great endings to campaigns recently where it went sort of start middle end and those have been great very rewarding we get lost somewhere in the middle and then the thing crashes i think the enthusiasm level right when you throw something a new pitch out there to a bunch of your friends and you're you're gaming with a bunch of like-minded people who, who already share your enthusiasm for what you're doing enthusiasm i find in a campaign always starts high and it and then and, and there's a trickle down that determines whether it comes down really quick or if it's a long slope. But generally, as exciting as the campaign is, a lot of times I find that that initial session or two is is the height of excitement for everybody, right? Everything's new, everything's fresh. Everybody's got this character that they've been dying to play or a system they can't wait to get into. So you're going into it with your sort of top game at that point in time. So you guys have been playing for about 10 years now, right? Between like each of you, approximately? Uh, slightly less than me. Age, yeah, a little less. Have you guys had a campaign run its full course start to finish? Uh, I've had one. And it was with Ruben. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was my one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was last summer. and yeah, Right before um, we was, started the podcast. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, Call of Cthulhu. I had taken... I spent all of like last year playing all of the Resident Evil games in order, like chronologically. And I just was like... I don't know, obsessed, whatever you want to call it. And so I took the original game, stripped out all the lore, but kept all the puzzles and the, and the mansion and inserted uh, Lovecraftian horror and themes and stuff, and then had them play through that. And we started it at the beginning of the summer. And I think it ended, did it end before the summer was done? Yeah, because we wanted to end it before we had to go back to work. So we we powered through it over a weekend because we were, yeah. we had two really long sessions 
So here's yeah, something I'm curious about then with your Call of Cthulhu campaign. Because in Dungeons & Dragons, people might not... Not everybody necessarily plays this way, but most Dungeons & Dragons games are about the little hero becoming the big hero. So they're constantly gaining power. Mm-hmm. At the start of the game, they are the weakest they'll ever be. And by the end of the game, they are the most powerful they'll ever be. And I would say that Call of Cthulhu is the other way. That at the yeah. beginning of the game, you're mm-hmm. probably, that character is probably at the best it's ever going to be. And then you might have a couple skills go up, but there's a whole bunch of other things going down. Like, yeah. and so you're, you're losing. So what I, I'm curious, how in Call of Cthulhu do you manage to not avoid, like one of the things that I, that I think that ends a campaign is a TPK. It's not intentional, yeah. it, but sometimes they happen. Uh, unless you're playing fifth edition, nobody dies in fifth edition. That's my one criticism of fifth edition. But in Call of Cthulhu, like deaths happen. Yeah. So I actually, I did, you know, and Kay can jump in whenever he wants, but I I made custom classes for this one because I wanted them to be like elite operatives. And so it was a very modern setting one. Um, Like it, it actually did happen in 2020. That's when we set it. And um, I I gave them custom classes with occupations and gave them a little bit extra bonuses than I normally would with the idea of they had elite training from this organization that they worked for, which we called Hatchet because that was my like organization that i made for cthulhu they they went in stronger than they normally would but because i wanted them to actually fight monsters so it was kind of like pulp cthulhu but like i didn't have the pulp cthulhu rules so i kind of did my own homebrew of it yeah there was a couple of moments where some characters almost died and i remember one of our players saying to us you know i thought we were just going to stroll through this and then all of a sudden i made one mistake and almost died and he's like what would you have done and i was like well you know you got to have that you got to have that secret in the back of your mind of like how a new character would come in. And it was like, well, they sent backup because you guys hadn't reported back for a while, you know, something like something corny like that. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I don't want to spoil our Cthulhu one shot, but by the end of the game, and this is a one shot by the end of the game, there was only really one character that could progress to the next game that wasn't shattered in some way. Mm-hmm. Like it, and maybe I just went too hard on them for an opening game but yeah. i don't think that i like i'm sure most keepers out there would tell me that's not a not a thing that that you know one of the rewarding things about cthulhu is if you make if you make it out the other side of the story then you know kudos to you but yeah. then i'm like how do you link these together how do you make a campaign because i feel like tpks like when you start a story you're like hey we're all together let's do this and if certain characters are removed from the story I think the campaign just naturally loses some momentum. Even like you said, there might be ways to work new characters in and having an organization or an alliance with some kind of, you know, in, to use forgotten realms. If you're, if you're all agents of the Harpers, then it's easy to say, well, the Harpers have sent you someone else to assist you in this mm-hmm. task or whatever. And using like your, what you mentioned, Hatchet, maybe Hatchet sends another agent to bolster the party's losses. But I, I think Cthulhu is one of those games that I'm like, how do you recover from like how do you recover from that uh from from that kind of harshness of the game and run a full story you don't i have two thoughts on that the first is i have lost players to their character dying for sure because they're used to putting so much heart and soul into their characters that they do that and then all of a sudden their character dies because somebody else messed up and didn't aim when they were shooting and they failed their their luck roll Sure. gets their head blown off and they didn't come back they were just like no it's not for me 
and you know what? I was totally like, for sure. I guess know the game you're playing. I have a, I have a friend who's constantly talking about how, and it's not the same person, but how Cthulhu isn't for them because they don't want to create a character that only lasts one more time. But then Jody, who's also on our podcast, has spoken to the unique nature of that mentality of, I'm going to create this character. And for the time that I have them, I'm going to love them. And then I'm going to celebrate their death and then create a new one that I love just the same. Yeah, but you're right. It is a unique challenge. Now in, uh, in OSR games, it's con- the TPK isn't as harmful because I find OSR games are more about, and this is something I learned from the DCC game we played. They're more about the setting. So I think you said Jody, his, his idea of, love the character for the time you have the character. And then when they, when they're gone, just make another character that you love. And the one thing that binds all these characters is not necessarily the party, but the setting. Like I think so. The uh, universe. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed, as opposed to like D and D fifth edition, especially is so locked on to their story. Now everything is story driven. You know, people sit down at the table and they have three pages of backstory and I just kind of shake my head, but that's what that's what they're looking for in the game now and when a death occurs there's like shock and horror at the table one because it doesn't happen very often and two it's like but our story included that character and now you've erased that Mm -hmm. character what Mm -hmm. the heck i have a tendency to get really attached to my character not every character but if i'm in a campaign and when you get that character you're like this is a great idea like i'm not simply reskinning something that's out there this is something i've genuinely created Mm -hmm. I put some time and effort into it. Yeah, absolutely. When something happens to that character, it's it's like anything else, any other thing in your life that you've put time and effort into, right? I mean, you you, you form a natural bond with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I character death for me in some some games is devastating. Like I think I think real life occasionally bites into a game and ends it pretty prematurely mm-hmm. i think lots of people have been left hanging with really good and like we're talking about we get attached to our characters and you get a really good character and then there's some sort of a social dynamic that breaks down it's maybe not even part of the game mm-hmm. and you're left without your campaign <laughs> yeah. yeah i've been in a similar situation and been on like the end of like the relationship splitting um not like a romantic relationship but like my best friend and i played D D together with Jaden actually so we can ask him about it sometime ruin uh and me and my friend had a total falling out over stuff and like other than D, we didn't talk we weren't in the same room like nothing and it made it super awkward for everybody to the point where like i bowed out of the session and the whole campaign because i knew it was making aw- everything awkward for everybody and i was like that's not fair to everyone so i'll just leave and then the campaign ended shortly after that because all of a sudden we didn't have a tank and the dynamic was weird and people were wondering where i was and all that and it just it totally fell apart so yeah it doesn't even have to be like you know boyfriend girlfriend split up but even just like friends falling out like it it changes the whole dynamic of that entire party now that you say that i could probably remember two or three campaigns over my lifetime where there's been friends that they're just like fuck that fuck that guy I like, yeah. like I, I just can't hang around him anymore because mm-hmm. as you're growing up or, or yeah. going through different things in your life, you, you maybe split apart, split apart in the, in your thinking or, and then suddenly mm-hmm. it's just not fun to be around them anymore. And yeah. then finally you have to 
cut the ties or they cut the ties with you yeah and then you're left like well what about dnd yeah <laughs> and and well and dnd can also sometimes make it kind of worse because like those friends you kind of just grow apart you just kind of start hanging out with each other and you just kind of go and it's like it's amicable because it just kind of happened but like if you're part of a long form campaign and you are growing apart and you still have to be together once a week and work together and cooperate like it it makes that existing friction even worse i don't think that can be fixed does anybody here think that can be fixed like if if a set of friends go separate there's no way that if they're in the same dnd group somebody's got to leave or the or the group is splitting yeah i don't think you can yeah. recover from that either everything you did would seem passive aggressive or it would actually be passive aggressive you know like uh no, no i'm not going to do that passive aggressive why oh no i don't think it's a stupid idea fuck you that's why like, yeah <laughs> my character hates your fucking character's guts yeah. <laughs> like, oh, i like to go with something like oh here's a list of people who can go fuck themselves you <laughs> oh, that's Wait, it that's all that's the whole list oh it's it's the it's the bbeg and you who needs heals? You know what? Who needs heals? I've... I don't hear anyone. <laughs> I'm gonna heal myself. Thanks. I know I only have one hit point down, but just want to be safe. <laughs> I'm topping off. <laughs> you know, you'd be better prepared if you came with some healing potions. <laughs> yes. Everybody else bought a healing potion. Why didn't you buy a healing potion? <laughs> Has anybody ever actually played in a campaign and, and and like been a healer and thought to yourself, you know what, he's never going to learn if I keep healing him. Like you just know, maybe, that's maybe why. once in a while you just need to be like, because I don't know if I've ever done it, but I can honestly say there's probably been a couple times where I'm like, he's never going to learn. Like this guy's yeah. never going to learn if we just keep healing him. At some point in time, you're just going to be like, yeah, that's what happens. There, there's that's a why podcast I don't play healer. There's a podcast episode. Get some clerics together, guys that play clerics. Uh, and go, okay, tough lessons that need to be learned in your game. Well, go. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I don't think I've ever actually had a campaign and explosively or anything like that. I, I've had ones that just kind of naturally fizzled out. And, and some of them I was running. And maybe I didn't do a great job of running. Like, I'm, you know, I'm new at this compared to a lot of other DMs and stuff like that. But also just like, I, I also do have a tendency to go with like, rules as written sometimes and i know that that can be to my detriment and i'm working on that it's it's therapy in my own head we can get over it you know but campaigns that i've been a part of as a player there's been some really difficult ones where the, the social incongruity that you talked about is, is what kills it for me is because if i feel like i'm arguing with people at the table why am i there and I actually had to talk to a DM one time and be like, listen, if this person comes, I'm, I'm not coming because I don't want to be like that person, but I don't want to fight when I'm trying to game. This is, this is your fun time. This is your social time. This is your outlet. Like yep. I, I, I'm talking to the guy, another DM just the other day, and he was getting very upset and worried. There's some group dynamics going on as one camp. I go, don't forget at some point in time, this is fun. Like this is what you do to put a smile on your face and, and take the tension out of your shoulder. If it ends up just adding more stress to your life, then the, something about it isn't right. Like you're doing it wrong or it's not a good fit for you. This, yeah. this is supposed to be that thing you're looking forward to on Thursday or like this Saturday. Oh my God, it's going to be awesome. And if it isn't that, then it's time to sort of re-examine the group you're with. If you think, if you think it's bad, like, um, it's hard. I, I agree. It's hard when you, when friends are having disagreements, 
and there's an awkwardness about that. I DM at a store and occasionally we'll have a like a players that I don't even know and they don't know one another. And not long ago, I had two women in my game could not stand each other. I I don't even and I think it was uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I just think it was like they saw each other and was like fuck that chick. Like I I don't know what it was, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it got very awkward. And at some po- at one point, I actually had to pull both players aside not together because i did not want in the middle of that but i was just like i was just like you either have to find a way to to play friendly or you're not going to be able to continue to play because there's other players and i as a dm like i just don't need that stress now here's the interesting thing we can all say it's supposed to be fun walk away there is sometimes players can't find a game all the time and in this case Mm -hmm. These two women, they could not find a game anywhere else that they felt uh, that they felt comfortable in playing in. They find the game; it's comfortable for them to play in, but they hate the fucking person across the table from them. So neither one's willing to back down. Like they're taking ownership of the game. This is my game. I'm not going. She's going. Like I'm not leaving because I don't know how long it'll be before I'll get a chance to find another game to play in. So you can get some, when you're when it's not friends. I think even not like at a at, at a um, a convention you could run into this where like suddenly you're just like I can't stand the person across the table from me but I'll be damned if I'm leaving this game it becomes <laughs> a point of pride yeah exactly it's like this is my game she can leave I will out stubborn you <laughs> just, yeah mm-hmm. they, they were have you guys ever very been part I mean obviously you Jeremy you're talking about two players that were fighting but have you ever been a part of a game where you as a GM had a problem or necessarily a a conflict of interest or something with a player because every time that... we play ruin <laughs> <laughs> uh Cade, why did you okay. say, fuck you that's why no, no. <laughs> what'd you say to me at work today you little son of a bitch <laughs> uh no like i and maybe the common denominator is me again ruin's not perfect but i've you know been a keeper of a session where i had to go to a friend who was playing and say, hey, you know that other person that's one of your friends that we're playing with? This is the reason why I can't stand them right now. And I tried to phrase it as like, I value them at this table, but, and I believe they did some talks behind the scenes and I I did some coaching of myself and they did some coaching of me and we worked it out, but it was hell for a while. Very hard. It's very hard. Because you're right. Like you're trying to find your group to play with. If, if uh, okay, being a being a paid DM and GMing at like a game store for people that I don't know from you know the next person to walk through the door, I've had that situation arise a number of times where I'm like, this person's gaming style is not the type of player that I like to play with. Like I don't enjoy playing with this power hungry. You know, I have no problem. I have no problems with murder hobos. I have no problems with heavy role players. Uh, I got no problems with any of that. But when someone is just greedy, when someone is just like, and if there's a magic item in this adventure, I'm going to find it and it's going to be mine. It doesn't matter if it benefits me or not. It's going to be mine. When I get players like that, I am, I'm just like behind the screen going, oh, fuck, let this end. Like, this yeah. is not going to work out. This is not going to work out. I can't play. I can't have fun with this type of a player uh, across the table. I always try to give them a couple sessions. If it's still not working, then 
yeah, something has to. Sometimes if you let that run its course, it will work itself out. Like the player goes, I'm not really feeling the groove here. I'm out. It, yeah, actually. And then it uh, looks better on you because it just kind of happened naturally. If you can ride it out or if you can see that if, if it's bothering other players. But I mean, as the DM, don't you find as a GM, for whatever reason, it kind of lands on you to regulate the game. And if there's a problem with the game, even if it's a social incompatibility, the players are like, well, it's your game. You tell them. Like I actually play a couple of campaigns right now, and I've noticed, and I don't know if this is just a newer trend, um, that obviously they're new. And, and you're right, there's some things aren't fitting perfectly, or things aren't happening like the GM would like to have. And both of these guys have like sort of like, oh, I put a link to uh, a couple of articles and, and short videos. If everybody could just give those a watch before next session, and it's like a subtle way of sort of addressing what will be sort of like you know, uh, attendance, manners, taking your turn. And, uh, very specifically, and I'm not afraid to admit this because I know if he hears it, he'll be fine with it. My first edition campaign and my good friend Mark literally sent me an article on how to be a better uh, note taker. He's like, you guys are horrible. At, at, uh, <laughs> like, there's, I put up a journal. We've done four sessions. You haven't even filled out the last two and your notes are terrible. Why don't you give this a read next week? Let's, let's, let's try and up our game a little, right? And I'm like... It's, it's a nice way to approach it. And, and you're right, it pro there's a number of times when it probably doesn't work, but at least I think as a certain player, when you look at it, you go, well, somebody's linked this to our group for a reason. The least I can do since the DM is putting this much time in is at least look at the uh, what he's out there and see if maybe I'm the person this is directed at or at least be more conscientious of it. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm so, believer that people can't change though. So I don't think that works. <laughs> I really do. I, I think that's that. I mean, if your DM does that for you, they have a heart of gold. God bless them. But the truth of the matter is you'll never be a good note taker. I feel really like practicing. <laughs> I feel like it's very similar. Like as a teacher, you put that stuff out there and the people, the kids that don't have those issues are the ones that are going to read those things and take it to heart and try to improve on the issues they don't have. Exactly. The ones that are the problem are going to be like, that ain't me. <laughs> I am totally in Cade's camp on this. The good, <laughs> this is going to be horrible English. The good get gooder. Oh, and oh, the good get gooder. And the problem remains the problem. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Not grammatically correct, but it is true. <laughs> <laughs> the good oh, get better. Fuck. There we go. Better. And the it doesn't mean an accent. Cooler. That doesn't affect grammar. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta put the accent on. You gotta put the accent on. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and I think that. And so to this point, this kind of leads into one of the next note that I had was attendance issues start to arrive mm. because if you've got a player like that at the table, or if it's your DM, <laughs> suddenly people are just like, "I've got better things to do tonight." Like they just prior they deprioritize the game. Uh, people, people, if, if DMs out there are going like, wow, uh, Jim and Sarah never make my games anymore. They, it's not because they have life issues because if they, if they had, the, if they, if they had life issues, they would change the priority. If they really like the game, they would change priority in their life to be at your game. There's something wrong with the game. Like, I, uh, I ran a one shot that we had and it was um blackwater creek for cthulhu and it we had to place it over a couple sessions because it's fairly long and halfway through when we ended it 
they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll come back soon and play. And I kind of texted out a couple of times to be like, Hey, you guys didn't come back and finish that. And they were always busy. And eventually I kind of went, it's probably just me. I'll just, I'll just move on, you know, and who knows, maybe it wasn't, but you're right. If they really wanted to play the priorities would change. Yeah. I think that's the, the reason most campaigns that I've been in that have ended have ended. It's most often attendance issues. It's either you can't schedule with everybody or find something that works or people are just, yeah, they're deprioritizing it. Or I just have really flaky friends. So that doesn't help. They're bad, bad with all aspects of life and D&D is real low on their priority list. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the, the, the most common one. And like you said at the top, there might be some of those other issues that fuel into those attendance issues. Sure. But yeah, shift, for me, like shift work, one. shift work mm-hmm. uh, in our case, like one of the things that I have with my players is that like, we're all parents now. So mm-hmm. maybe sometimes you can't get a sitter or, yep. or kid get sick or kid get sick. Exactly. Whatever. Something like that yeah. happens. So you have to have some flexibility, but I, but I guess, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to poke at those people that are struggling with real shit. But what I am saying is, is that if someone really wants to play Dungeons and Dragons or Call of Cthulhu or mm-hmm. Zweihander or whatever you want, to, whatever you're playing, yeah. uh, Morkborg, which is something that we, Jason and I need to find time to play. Morkborg, <laughs> we're doing it. it. Seems a little dark for me. I don't know. It's, I started reading into it and I got a little scared. I won't lie to you. I was like, I'm like, if you want to play the, if people want to play those games, they will make the time. They don't make mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And that and has nothing a... to do with a hardcore player or not. They just, no. they will make time for, to do things they want to do. Yeah. And you there's know, a difference I, between I'm... not making like a session here and there. Like things pop up every now and then it happens. Life gets in the way. But if it's consistent, then yeah, there's an issue there. You know, I'll admit I am, I am the player who causes the campaign to stall because I don't have time. We were playing this the best D&D campaign that I've been a part of ever. Um, it was the regular D- DM. I don't know what he decided to do differently. It was just stellar. The group was actually working, including the one person who I didn't really get along with in the past. And we we were actually making it work. And then my daughter was born and I was like, give me a couple of weeks. And then we just haven't gotten back to it. And every time I talk to him about it, I'm like, I swear, I want to get back to it. But like attendance is a problem. You know, as much as I do agree that like there are times that we're just making excuses, I'll be the first one to admit it's not an excuse for me. It is just time. Well, it is, it, to say I'm going to give up three or four hours, a, you know, every couple of weeks at once a month is a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I hear about game. I, like I, I at the gaming store, I'll hear uh, about guys talking about their home game and they're like, we played for eight hours on the weekend in one session. I'm like, I'm just like melting. I'm like, I want that. I want that. Uh, (laughs) But I have three kids and I can't have that right now. So uh, yeah, it's just, I, I hear you. Like there's definitely, there's definitely legitimate. And this is your first kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Six months old. There's great learning curves. And plus there's a lot of awesome. I'm a big proponent for kids. (laughs) There's a lot of awesome stuff that happens with your, you know, it's a whole new world. Don't miss that for, for Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, I get that, but what I'm, but I guess the, the I don't know, even I'm on the fence about that. Well, I mean, there's limits, right? It's like the kid. Listen, rubs I've been talking cantrip or I've been talking coffee. I got to talk cantrips too. Once in a while. <laughs> Eventually they'll be old enough. You can DM for her and her friends. <laughs> I actually, I, I'm with what? Jason though. The three hour session is the, is the yeah, greatest. I agree. I agree too. Yeah. 
I like I like the three hour. I don't like the four hour. People will say like, why don't you run it? When I stream mm-hmm. online, I only run a three hour, and I'm like, at three hours, you can actually watch the en- the energy drop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it has enough time that you have that that arc, right? Like even within a session, like you you're hitting something, accomplishing something, learning, and then ending at a point before everyone gets burnt out. Yeah, three hours. Three hours gives you some time to role play with some NPCs, and it gives you time to have one really kick-ass battle if you're of any mm-hmm. decent level. Or I'm speaking totally D and D here, but mm-hmm. I, and I think uh, like our Call of Cthulhu, we ran through through that in one session, and I think it went four hours. It probably could have been done in two sessions, but we just did it in one. We got it over and done with, and it was. Yeah, it was four hours. Once again, time. though, that was it was a scheduling thing, right? You're like, well, this is when people we can have do to it. run this in two sessions. Yeah, when do we get the second session? If, if all of a sudden the stars align, you're like, everybody can make this Saturday night. Nobody has any plans, and if it's gonna, we don't know at this point in time. It's a newer system. It's something three, four, five hours. We know we want to finish it in one shot. You, you just go for it. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cthulhu is also very variable depending on how long it takes you to solve the puzzles. Right, like if you immediately stumble on the issue, your four-hour session could be two hours. If it takes you forever, it might be a five, six-hour long session because right. the pieces just aren't clicking. There are reasons they have rules built in to re-give the clue to the players if they missed it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So the other thing that I that I that Ruin kind of brought up, he was like, "Well, nobody wanted to play, so maybe it was me." I don't know. I. I <laughs> Just I don't my sob story. I know, I know, like, but I don't. But what I was going to say is, me. I don't think it's always the GM, specifically with the newer material that came has been coming out. So I'm going to speak about fifth edition here, and I, I, but I think it can apply to some other edition, some other games as well. But in like fifth edition D and D, they they have burdened our new dungeon masters with massive hardcover adventures that scale first to twelfth level which I realize is not the full one to 20. So they're cutting it in half, but it's still a great deal of time. So, you know, you can be, it, people can, people can just go like, no, I, it's just, it's taking too long to move through the story it has nothing to do with a DM. It has to do with the product that the DM is running. And I think to some extent, that's what happened with us, with our princes of apocalypse game. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm. Not, I'm gonna toot my own horn here. I like to think I'm a relatively skilled dungeon master, but that game just kind of plod along, and there was so much material there, and I couldn't get the characters to where I wanted to get them to quick enough that that game eventually was like. It had some other factors working too. Like I just got tired of editing live plays, but but it was a lot of material to work through, and I think sometimes. Uh, in the good old days of Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, a module was 14, 15 pages long, some of them. Mm-hmm. And now they're what, like 100, 200? And that's what we were talking about earlier. I'm like, when I grew up and I was playing, the, and in the earlier editions, there was no, these campaign books didn't exist. Like there was no giant 100 page hardcover campaign book. You would, there was a lot more homebrewing, but, and you would pick up this, you know, this 15 page paper module and you would kind of drop them in. And that was, because it was homebrewed and because it wasn't a pre-printed uh, product with a start and an end, you never had an issue where our campaign never ended. It, there was never an end in sight anyway. There was never a hard end, a goal to reach. So it kind of ended when 
somebody was like, oh, like I said, a new edition came out or a new product came out and somebody wanted to roll a barbarian instead. Um, yep. Okay, well, we'll start something new. Or somebody was like, I just drew the most massive, you know, 12 level dungeon and I really want you guys to run through it. There was no sort of sense of failure because there was no goalpost at that point in time. It was mm. sort of just a meandering sandbox back then, I think, in the homebrew a lot of times. I think I think has Call of Cthulhu not done this too though. They have a couple of big products out right now. There's like Masks of Masks of Nyarlathotep is the big I one. I can never out. pronounce that. Thank you. And the other one that I, <laughs> I saw, don't even know if I did it right. <laughs> the, no, I think you got it. There was another one uh, on uh, the Horror on the Orient Express. Yes, that's the yeah. one. and that I, one's actually out of print, but they're bringing it back. So they're they're awesome products. Like my friend, my one friend has the Orient Express one. Yeah, it's it's a huge product. There's all kinds of handouts, and it's very cool. But we have never played the game before. And the two of us looked at that and went, are you running it? I'm not running it. Like, mm-hmm. I bought Nyarlathotep because I know that Chaosium has this habit of like taking things out of print for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I bought it. I have yet to run it because I can't even imagine trying to hold a group together long enough to play that. Yeah. And I don't even know in a, in a game like Cthulhu, like they're dead at the end of chapter one. Now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it actually it, it comes with rules about how to insert characters if you need to, which alone is crazy enough for me to consider. Like, mm-hmm. you you mean you just have this like rotating cast? Um, it's one of the reasons why I actually think my preference for play is I love big campaigns. I do. Don't get me wrong, but when I run, I much prefer to do one shots that have a common like group or something to hold everybody together, because then every session can be a one shot and then it's like hey that group didn't work doesn't matter we don't invite that person back we just say we're starting something new or you know and it can kind of consistently evolve with what you need um mm-hmm. and even leading into that our is big the one best that we trick did. in the dnd in the gamers book we're, we're just starting a yeah. new game and oh we forgot to invite him <laughs> yeah just, there's everybody always has more players that want to play than they have seats at the table right we've talked about yes. that so you're gonna like well it's, it's jimmy's turn to rotate through and Mm-hmm. You know, um, again, let's step in as beautiful. Let's step in as the narrator. If you're the guy that didn't get invited back, you're the reason they switched the game. Hard <laughs> truth. Yeah. But Here. you know, and even before we played our campaign last summer, I kind of went with the idea of like, I'm going to have it so that it's open so that anybody can come in and out. And that way, if it falls apart, I'm good because I hate when they fall apart. And yet, I want to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the idea of that old school campaign that never ends, that you're just constantly going on new adventures and you have this character that you just get to live with for a while. And as somebody who really likes like the role-playing side of things, I love the idea of like you are building your backstory as you play. And I think that's super cool. But I also recognize how many obstacles there are to, to make that work um, and how, yeah, that's kind of been, that's no longer the style of what's been putting out anymore right? All these things, like you said, they're self-contained adventures and they don't lead into each other very well. So to have that long running campaign that never ends with just like, you know, you, like you said, you start with this like peasant character and you work him up to being the greatest hero in the land. And then he has to go to somewhere else and do all these other things mm-hmm. like super cool, but it's, it's kind of, it, it's a lot uh, less feasible now, I feel I'll, like, which is I'll, disappointing. I'll bet you Cade though, the, for every sort of I call that the never-ending story. For every never-ending story that begins, I think the majority mm-hmm. of them fail. 
I'm sure they do. I, I think just love some, the idea of at it. At <laughs> some point, because see, if you can sit down and plan out a beginning, middle, and an end, I think as a DM, you have a huge advantage. You've got a beginning, middle, of an end. You sort of know where you want the game to go, and it has an ending on it. And there mm. is nothing better. It doesn't matter what level you end at. There is nothing better than wrapping a story and just having an ending. Yeah. Uh, and although never ending stories are cool, like campaigns that go on, people that go like, I had a campaign that went on for seven years, uh, 20 yeah. years. There's some guy on the internet going, my campaign's been running for 40 years. I'm like, well, that's good for you. But like nobody yeah. remembers session one. So, you know, yeah. what is, I also I always... think those contained sessions probably like come to a reasonable conclusion more often because there is an end in sight. Nobody wants to be the quitter. Everybody's like, okay, we just we have to get through this adventure, and then I'm gonna go find another group because Ruin the DM is kind of a dick. Um, you True know, story. But if it's this ongoing continuous thing, then there's no there's no end, so you just kind of like you drop out whenever. You're just like, I'm done. I I don't care if we beat this dragon. Like whatever, I don't care. Right? My personal preference for playing is that that campaign that has a defined beginning and end point. I can see the path that I'm going as a player, but as a GM. I actually prefer the self-contained. They could be a one-shot to run every time, like an episodic campaign. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, I've like always wanted to run an episodic campaign, and then it never works out for me. I always link them, and then all of a sudden and there's a metaphor the running. Yeah, I think those are the ones that fail the most often, and it really it comes with. I think the only reason why the campaign last summer worked is because I looked at the people who wanted to be a part of it, and I said, "This is what I'm going for. I want a beginning." I want a middle and an end. And if you can commit to that, please sign up. If you can't, I, I'm sorry next time. Yeah. I love, I love ones that mm -hmm. have beginning, middle, and end. And Jason actually had a great uh, session zero on a recent campaign where the DM asked, what do you want out of this game? I, I think, I've, I think I've in my head up, kind of asked people, but I've never actually done it. Yeah, so it's one of those things like growing up playing earlier on, there was no such thing as a session zero. So when it first started happening, and we had done some session zero, and you're kind of like, oh, that's, you know, that's just character creation, and we banter back and forth. And then all of a sudden playing with a new group, and you're sitting there, and it was the first time a DM was like, okay, everybody, like, around the table, like, what do you want to get out of this? What do you want to, and it's neat, because there's a guy who's like, you know, like, we're traveling for the next 25 days, I want to role play every night around the campfire. He's like, okay, well, you're one-fifth of this party, so how about one in every five days? I give you a yeah. little time to roll. That's that's one-fifth, right? There you go. So everybody gets their portion. But it's amazing when people sort of start talking about what they would like in a campaign because there's a lot of people that come to the table with a lot of different reasons or a lot of different mm -hmm. expectations. Yeah, we're finding that even in our podcast, like in how we – how we review the different systems, you can tell, okay, who's really in this for like the combat epic scenarios? Who's in this for the really cool role-playing? Who's in it for the problem solving? And it's really interesting that like you have four people and there are four different perspectives and goals and expectations for every game. And that's really interesting. As a side note, Cade, could you tell me what those are? I'm interested to know. Uh, Who comes I would, to the table with what? I would say that I'm the biggest role-player uh i would say that jody is probably the biggest combat and Jaden is probably the biggest like i want to solve the problem beat the baddie get to the end and you're there to wrangle all of us <laughs> like hurting cats. you're, you're there because the we are good is. dms yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it that's exactly that's it. fair oh, well i, I think, think it's nice I, no go, go ahead jay 
I've talked. I think enough. it's nice when you have that session zero, not just from a DM's perspective, but if you've got four players sitting around the table, and I know that the other guy on the other side of the table is interested in this portion of the game, that if you're a good player, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to try and, like, if he wants to do that role play, and we're okay, well, the town guard doesn't want to let you in, you give him the nod. Oh, hey, like this is what you wanted to do, like, like mm-hmm. or like, okay, you know that you got the guy that wants the big combat role. And you've got a buff spell before you kick open the door. You throw the buff spell on him, right? So he's got an extra chance mm-hmm. to do something ridiculously heroic and roll a couple of extra dice. I think um, it's nice that even from a player's perspective to know what the other people you're sitting at the table with are looking for from a game. Hundred percent. And I think that helps you get to the end. Like if you need to end a campaign, but you also know that what everybody at the table wants out of the game, you can say, "Were these like?" okay, we've accomplished what everybody wanted to, and now we're fighting the big bad evil guy. The big bad evil guy dies. End the campaign. Like, don't... Some DMs... I mean, if you're the the DM and you've got a great idea for a sequel, that's great. But acknowledge that that campaign ended, and you're now starting a new campaign with new goals, and what do people want out of this campaign now? Because you'll be far more successful, I think, and more happy with yourself because you've like sometimes people like they beat the big bad evil guy and the and it's obvious the GM had a really good story planned out and I don't know maybe you've played for 20 sessions the big bad evil guy dies and now you're all looking at each other like well we're still going to meet ne- next Wednesday right yeah we're still meeting next Wednesday I'll, I'll have something else planned but then it's obvious that the DM hasn't had the same point of inspiration and he's now he or she is now trying to fit a story on the end of their kickass story whereas if you'd just gone no that's it we did it. Let's be happy with that. Like yeah. we created something there and it was awesome and we don't need to add to it. It's sophomore album syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's like, we don't need the sequel to this movie. Yeah. <laughs> we just need it. Like yep. that was good. We don't time, need another something, one. Yeah. Something new. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that gets through like, and of course, DMs, you know, DMs hit writer's block. We kind of, we kind of touched mm-hmm. on that there. Uh, they, they become uninspired. They, or maybe the DM just doesn't know how to end his campaign, and that, and and then the campaign ends in a way that you didn't like because he or she just didn't know how to end it. Mm-hmm. So if if you know what your players want of the game and you can give them that, then you've you sort of completed your your arc. Kind of just comes back down to that whole communication on all fronts right like how many of our games could have been actually finished if there had just been communication mm-hmm. and that's something point. we've talked about on our podcast before it's just like you're building a relationship with your table group and that's a relationship like like all others requires effort and work yeah i'm in a i'm in a campaign right now where the dm does a a closeout uh meeting like after every session she wants to know how did you feel how that session went what what did you like was there something you didn't like is there something that could have gone better uh and people get a chance to offer input i think it's important i I really like that i it's probably something that i should do sometimes we do it i mean because if you have close friends and you're playing with them maybe the next time you're getting together just for beers instead of the gaming you talk about the game anyways and you find out Mm -hmm. what people are liking or not liking but uh in, in i think 
not enough people look for that feedback. And sometimes the DM has to go hunting for it. Sometimes the DM has to say, like, here's my, here's my phone number, text me, here's my email, or I'm going to send you an email and I've got a couple questions for you and ask very specific questions. Like, do you think this bad guy's interesting or do you not think this bad guy's interesting? Do you like how this is progressing in the game or do you not like how this is progressing in the game? Because again, it'll help you get to the end of that campaign so that you're happy with it and it doesn't just peter out on you. One of the best pieces of advice ever given to me as a GM was from Jody, um, one of our, our other players. And he said, don't make us roll for everything. And he's like, you're getting better at it. You understand. But sometimes he's like, if I'm looking at a bookshelf and that thing's right in front of my face, why am I rolling for it? And I was like, you know what, man? It just took you to tell me that one time. And I get it now. The burden of the perception check. Like just tell people. <laughs> especially if it's something that has to progress the plot and Cthulhu, this is what the, from my one time of running Cthulhu, I realized there were certain things that if they didn't find the plot was stopping. So why am I asking for a role for that? Just like. Spot give hidden it to them. is the most abused skill in that game. Same with, same with perception dungeons and dragons. It's con constantly people when cannot figure out perception. how to use passive perception. <laughs> people cannot figure out how to use passive perception. So they just ask for perception rolls all the time. Spot hidden. I can see exactly how that would be overused where it's just constantly being asked for at the table. Um, trying to think of another game that overuses an ability to spot things. I think, it, I think probably every role playing game does because it comes mm -hmm. down to like, how do you, give the information of the story to the player. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it, it's, uh, it's, who was it that told me this? Someone once told, it was maybe an article actually in a Dragon magazine, but it was like, don't place your key to continuing the adventure behind a secret door. Because if they can't find the secret door, what have you just done? And if you're not going to ask them to, if you, if, so anything now I put behind a secret door, secret doors always hold optional stuff for me in my adventures. The secret door holds optional stuff that way. But if they don't find it, then I'm, I'm at no loss for them not finding it. So, <laughs> we're probably getting close to wrapping up. And usually I like to try and throw a couple of questions out there. And you don't have to include this in the podcast, but it's always neat to hear somebody else's point of view. Everybody here is gamed, looked at a lot of games, is aware of a lot of games. What's a game on your radar right now that you haven't played? But you're like, man, I wish I could get a group together for this. Like there's, it's new, it's old. It's something that's always been on my shelf or it's something that I'm hearing is coming out. What's out there right now that you guys are interested in? Oh, that I Jeremy, haven't played? Oh. Yeah. The number one on my list is Shadowrun. I <laughs> have seen that one out for so long. Actually, first it was like the video games. And then I found out it was a tabletop game. And immediately it was like top of my list for things we have to run. Such a great looking campaign setting. Like you look at that right away and you're like, oh my God, like I grew up with this kind of stuff, right? There's this sort of sci-fi fantasy melting pot, right? I mean, it looks fantastic. It, it makes you feel badass when you see it. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to be that guy. Oh, I can't wait. I like to think of it, so if, if Dungeons and Dragons was like the, the, the time I discovered Star Wars as a kid, like things like Shadowrun and stuff like that, it's when you're a little older and you watch Blade Runner for the first time. And you're like, you know what, Luke Skywalker's okay. Blade Runner's got tits. You know, <laughs> like this is a little edgier. I'm looking yeah. for something that's, uh, that's going to be a little more exciting. Yeah. I mean, Jabba had tits. 
No, this is yeah, true. in the same way I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna comment, but I didn't seem a little forward. <laughs> I was gonna, hey. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> we'll meet in Manitoba. Oh, <laughs> it all goes down in the peg. Sounds like a bad country song. Right? It does in Manitoba. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anybody else got anything they're looking to play these He's days? Have or anything that's on the radar? Uh, so I just convinced the guys when we were kind of planning out our next sessions that we're going to give a go with the old Marvel superheroes RPG because I've never played it. And we found a website that has like everything online for free, which is awesome. And I'm super jazzed about that. Just come to it with a light heart and you'll love it. I, I'm a Amazing. huge comic fan and we, yeah, I'm super pumped. Are we talking about like the old yellow box that came yeah. out? Yeah. <laughs> My younger brother had that. I wish I still had it. We definitely played some. Of I that don't know if it comes lot. with your PDF, but one of the greatest things that that game was the box sets came with city blocks. The oh, maps yeah. were a city block, and they were squared out so that and heroes could move so many squares or fly so many squares. Oh. And then you would get these paper cutouts of all the superheroes, and you would make uh, triangles out of them, and they would then stand on oh, these city blocks. So cool. And that's we didn't funny. do a whole lot of like story running with that back in the day. We were just yeah. like, what if Thor fought Dr. Octopus? <laughs> do it! <laughs> and <laughs> like, we, we would just do that all the time. It was that was yeah. a great game. That was a great yeah. Game. I'm super excited for that one. And then, I mean, it breaks the rule because I have played it. But Gods is still in Kickstarter, and it's coming out here sometime this year. And we played it, and I I love it. It's the only game I've ever DM'd, and I just I love it so much. And I'm gonna buy it as soon as it comes out. I'm super excited to see who, who what makes the finished that? product is. That, a, is that an independent uh, Arcane, Arcane Asylum. Asylum? They're out of uh, France. It seems like for the most part they do French translations of other titles, yeah. um, and this is only I think their second like actual homebrew their own. Um, yeah, they did, they did the Witcher, good. didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did the Witcher RPG game. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. What about you guys? I have a I have such a huge list. I, I I collect RPG games. Like, I never get to play any of them because the majority of the time, I I had a great D and D campaign that lasted two years, and I have a great group of players, and I just wanted them to switch to a new system, <laughs> and you would have thought that I asked them to kill their mother. <laughs> how like, dare you New I'm like, we've, we've done high fantasy my high fantasy story ideas are kaput like i need some time to recharge uh let's let's play something else but no i i would have to say okay so games that i want to play that i haven't numenera by monty cook games jason uh <laughs> numenera for sure yes <laughs> uh i would love to play a vampire the masquerade game Mm, uh, I played yeah, it yeah. a bit as a kid. I played a lot of werewolf as a kid. Oh, yeah. uh, like a, I say kid, but like late teen, early twenties, werewolf was my jam. And uh, I would like to, my jam. I jam. Is the werewolf game that's coming out like the video game based on that? I don't know. I've heard it's hot garbage. Yeah, werewolf, <laughs> the, yeah I think it is werewolf the apocalypse. Yeah, I heard it's yeah, hot yeah, garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, okay, the, the role playing game is fantastic. Like I yeah. think it's. I think it's awesome. Uh, and the last one, I just picked it up recently. might even have it on the floor here beside me. Is uh, this little gem, Alien. 
Ooh. Oh yes, I, I really good. I really want to play Alien. The reason I want to play Alien is because it comes with two settings. One is like long campaign mode. That is not the one I want to play. It comes mm-hmm. with a setting for like one shot, kill them all with aliens. Like it is the Aliens movie essentially. Yeah. Like no one's making it out alive except for the little girl in Ripley. Go and you know make your own characters, come up with your own story. And um, but this is a daunting book. Like it is serious. It's gorgeous inside. But it is a seriously thick book, and I just have not had time to sit down and read it. Ruin, write that down. I want to do that one. I actually just <laughs> thought about it the other day, and I was like, maybe our list for season two isn't set yet. Maybe we can yeah, add that one. Yeah. yeah, I would love to 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 run Alien. I would love to play Alien. Um, Jay, how about you? So, and you and I have talked, so I know this is just going to sound redundant, but I'm probably similar to Kate here in that. I have one that I haven't played and just recently acquired and one that I had played when I was very young and only a couple of times and really butchered it and never, and it's still, I don't even know that it's a great game, but it still holds a spot for me where I feel like I need to do it and do it well. And that would be the first edition of Gamma World, like 1981 TSR, just wonky sci-fi is um, something that's very near and dear to me. and, And a personal pet project and then I'm interested in sort of rules light stuff and uh, OSR stuff so um, uh, Five Torches Deep is the other one that's on my list um, I just acquired through Drive Through RPG um, sort of a fifth edition meets OSR sort of mashup we're talking like 42 page rule book that's nice. that's it that's the entire system right cool um, those sweet. are two things I'm definitely on and I'm trying to actually commit to making that happen because I have a tendency to like get excited about stuff and then realize how much work it is and you're so like we're going to uh, do Gamma World you're going to run your Gamma World game I've, I've got the Gamma no, World campaign is slowly happen. coming together I've actually got <laughs> yeah I actually found um, I got uh, the company just not far from here that used to be the old Raffam and they actually still have miniatures too Nice. You can, get, you can get some chickens with machine guns. It's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, they, I think they even do a line of Thundar miniatures. Cool. So I was like, oh <laughs> my awesome. God. I'm like, this <laughs> is going to work out fantastic. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, and like I said, we talked about this earlier, just a great time to be into this stuff too. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of amazing stuff hitting. Like every time you go on social media, if you're looking at gaming stuff, there's something new every week popping up. Oh, and yeah. some great looking stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it means for our show, we'll never run out of content. Do you have any other questions, Jay? No, I think that's all I've got tonight. <laughs> this is, we, we covered a lot of stuff today. We did. Most of it wasn't even on the agenda. This, yeah. this is what's called going off course. Like, no, I was just thinking, like, am I going to have Kate cut this into two episodes or just do a super episode? Like, I was just, just thinking, <laughs> do it in two episodes would be kind of cool. Yeah. 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 yeah here's, the, here's the social and here's the actual, like, what we're yeah. here for. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, well you guys have awesome. a sign off, right? And we, we have, have a sign off. off. What's your sign off? So our sign off is, uh, <laughs> what do we say? Uh, I always say it. Crap, Kate, what do I always say? This is awkward now. about being out of we, coffee. Oh yeah. We can <laughs> clip we can clip you not <laughs> remembering. That's fine. We can, uh, <laughs> no, I'm leaving it in at my end. This always happens. We go to do our introductions. I'm like, what the hell do I say every single time? Like I need to get it right every time. No, uh, what I say as is, and with that, I'm out of coffee, and that means it's time to go. There we go. What so I mean, do you, yeah. oh I know what you gotta say. <laughs> do you know what we say? 
We haven't yeah, been saying it, it lately. We're going to let you guys say it. I was just going to say, isn't it good night, Dick? It is good night, Dick. There we go. All right. Well, let's let's do this officially. Let's trade sign offs. Okay. Jason, you say it. Well, then I was going to repeat it because I don't. His, his is long. We're all out so, of coffee and it's time to go. No. So, with that, I'm all out of coffee. And it's time it? to go. Right. <clears throat> with that, I'm all out of coffee and it's time to go. Well said. All right, Kay, do you want to do it at the same time? Sure. All right. Good night, Dick. Good night, Dick. That's awesome.